Xavier, I'd be rich if I had a dollar every time I heard someone say, man, I wish I knew 20 years ago what I know today about money. They need to be teaching about this stuff in school. Like the power of investing early. Compound interest. That alone would impact lives. Understanding and planning for taxes. Understanding the difference between both good debt and bad debt. Eric, what about all the stuff about money that business owners need to know? What kind of insurance should you be buying? The importance of contributing towards your retirement. They don't teach any of this stuff in school. Y'all sit back, get ready, because we are talking stuff about money they didn't teach you in school that you need to know. Welcome back to Stuff About Money. I'm Xavier Angel, Certified Financial Planner, and I'm joined with my co-host, Eric Garcia, Certified Financial Planner. What's up, Eric? How are you doing today? What's happening? What's happening? So last time we recorded, you were on the golf course under a tree in the beautiful sunlight, blue skies, day drinking. And now you're wearing a tie. <laughs> I'm I'm back in my natural element with my tie. So your natural that used to be your natural element. That used to be yes. your habitat. Coat and yes. ties. Yeah. If you then remember, if I didn't wear a coat and tie when I was walking out the door, Grace would ask me, "Daddy, are you not going to work today?" <laughs> so. And I've only worked maybe like six days of my life then. <laughs> <laughs> well, it it is refreshing coming in without a tie on. You know, I, I so Grace must think that you don't work. Hanging out here with me. Yeah, you know, we, we had that conversation all the time. What mm-hmm. you doing today, Dad? So, you don't have any meetings? What are you dressed up for? Um, I had a board meeting this morning. Um, so okay. went went to the board meeting. Um, we were reviewing the budget for 2023 um, and making okay. sure everything is good. Is everything good? Everything is good. We got our budget together. We, uh, okay. we made budget for 2022. So okay. everybody's happy. Okay. Speaking about making budget, actually, we're not talking about making budget. Uh, y'all follow us on um, your favorite podcast listening app. You can follow us on YouTube as well. Uh, also, check us out on Instagram at planwisely underscore. We're doing a lot of really cool things with uh, with the podcast. We're, I mean, we're basically editing the the podcast to shorter, more digestible videos. So check us out there. Xavier, what are we talking about today? Today's interesting. I'm excited about it. So we're coming in and talking about five common financial mistakes. Six minus one. Six minus one. one. Six minus one. (laughs) It was six, but someone can't count. So we turned it into five. (laughs) And since we both love math, we decided to make it six minus one. Five financial or common financial mistakes. Now, who is making these financial mistakes? I find a lot of people are at, at some point are making these mistakes, um, specifically prior to them sitting down and, and, and working with a planner. You know, it, they're common. And, and this is the one of the, it, it, it is a setup. But so, so what you're saying is a financial planner can help you not make these common mistakes. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. That is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. So, Hire yourself a planner, people. Hire yourself a planner. The first common financial mistake mm-hmm. that people make. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, okay. hold on. All right. All right. In full transparency, all right. As we share these common mistakes, are we gonna share if we've actually if we've made them? Yes. Are we gonna are we gonna be that vulnerable here with our listeners? I, I am. I'm ready to be okay. vulnerable with them. 
We look, okay. we, we teach, we teach what we've been through mm -hmm. at, at one point or another. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you make mistakes and you learn lessons. You right? do. And, and the okay. best lessons come from mistakes. Okay. So let, let's number jump one. into let's, number one. First common number financial one. mistake, living on borrowed money. Now, what does that mean? Living on borrowed money. And I, I'll use myself as an example. I'm going to put myself out there. So I'm in six common uh, six minus one common mistakes that Xavier has made in his lifetime. Number one, coming out of college, my first job, you know, every week I'd run to a Best Buy, I'd run to a clothing store mm -hmm. and I'd go out there and I'd purchase something and I'd use credit. I'd go out there and purchase it on my credit card. So I was using credit cards to buy the things that I wanted. And normally I wouldn't come back and pay it off at the end of the month. I'd let that sit over there. Well, now when I look back on that, what I'm what I'm looking at is what I was actually doing was paying more than what I actually purchased that product for. Because yeah. I, I used that product before I got it paid off. And and normally I'm looking at those double digit credit card uh, interest rates. Interest rates? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Visa, so. American Express, MasterCard, love you oh they they do not only do they love you they love americans <laughs> check check this out just just in general so you're talking about credit card debt check this stat out on debt okay this was a study done by i believe is the new york uh federal reserve bank um their report shows an increase in household debt in the second quarter of 2022 increasing by 312 billion with a b <laughs> to 16.15 trillion that's, so, that's, that's a lot. Now, 16.15 trillion. Um, balances now stand at 2 trillion higher than the end of 2019. So since 2019, there is more than $2 trillion of household debt, an increase. Well, we're not done. We're not done. Mortgage balances rose by $207 billion in the second quarter of 2022 and stood at $11.39 trillion at the end of June. And credit card balances also increased by 46 billion dollars with a b 46 that billion. that 13 cumulative increase on credit card balances um was the highest it's been in 20 years so that tells me that there's a lot of people living on borrowed money now let's be fair okay it's really hard to live in america mm -hmm. without borrowed money like how do you like if I'm living on borrowed money right now because I don't own my house outright. I got a mortgage. Right. I got a mortgage. You got a car. So I got a car note. So I'm kind of living on borrowed money. But what, you, what you're talking about is, I'm assuming what you're talking about is living above your means on borrowed money. Correct. Correct. You know, okay. going out there and spending on a credit card, Amazon. Let's take Amazon as as an example. How many people go out there and spend? Because they can put it on a credit card with Amazon and buy oh, gosh. stuff that they don't need or stuff that they don't have the money to pay for it right now. Thinking that I'm going to pay it back at a later date or I have 30 or 60 or 90 days to pay it back. We should uh, we should change this podcast to stuff you don't need to buy with your money on Amazon. <laughs> yeah. it's I, I find too that when, when people get in the habit of using debt, it's a vicious cycle. Where I've got this credit card over here and I've got, you know, my debt's increasing. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to go borrow more money to pay that debt off. And we're just basically exchanging debt for debt. And there's a strategy 
if you're trying to get out of debt where that might make sense if you're trading a high interest loan mm-hmm. uh, um, debt for a lower interest rate debt. But it becomes this vicious cycle to where you borrow money, you have high credit card interest rates or high credit card payments, high debt payments, and then you need more money because you got to pay all, all that interest because it's really expensive. And you have to borrow more money because you can't afford to... I think people get the picture here. Right. Get the people, uh, people get the picture here. Um, let me tell you this. We don't, we don't talk that much about this, but this is something that... I don't know if you remember the previous show that I had with Dr. Matt Morris where we talked about um, family and relationships and money. The, the stress and anxiety... So if anyone here is in debt or trying to get out of debt, the stress and anxiety related to debt is off the charts. I was talking to a friend this morning and she's been trying to get out of debt for some time. She, they've been very diligent, you know, cutting mm-hmm. cutting where they can. And she told me this morning that by spring of next year, they're going to be completely out of debt. And her and her eyes lit up. I'm like, "That's fantastic." And she goes, "Yeah, my husband for the first time started talking about like you know, investing, and I feel like we should have been investing already. And you know, and, and I told her, I said, "Look, the paying off debt is, you know, at the end of the day, we're looking at net worth, right? And there's two right. ways to increase your net worth, right? Assets minus liability equals net worth. You can increase your asset by saving and investing, or you can decrease your liability paying off debt. So what she's been doing over the past eight to ten years, she's been increasing her net worth by decreasing her debt." Um, and, and, and doing so it the smart shifting, way. Right. They're shifting from living on borrowed money to not living on borrowed money. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. Anytime you borrow money, think about this. You you essentially are robbing your future self or borrowing from your future self. Right? So even, even if you pay your credit card off, think about this. Even if you pay your credit card off every month, I'm going to the store and I'm dropping a thousand bucks on something. But I'm not paying it until 30 days from now or 45 days from now or 60 days from now, depending on where you are in your cycle. So I'm borrowing money for myself. When you have a lot of debt and you're never out of credit card debt, you have just robbed your future self of, of a lot of money. And, and Eric, that, what you just said actually brings us to um, one of the common financial mistakes, and that's paying mm-hmm. off debt with savings. So let, let, okay. let, let's spend a few minutes on that because okay. she was doing it the smart way. I had a conversation earlier this week uh, with an individual. Okay, hold on, hold on, yeah. hold on. Hold on. Let, me, let, me, let, me, let me. So a common mistake is paying off debt with savings. With savings. Yes. Okay. I'm going to have to hear what you have to say because I've got some thoughts on this. Okay. All right. So had a conversation earlier this week uh, with an individual. Mm-hmm. He comes to me and he says, hey, look, you know, I, I'm going to pull some money out of my 401k. Okay. I'm going to take that money and I'm going to pay my student debts off because what I don't age want. Range. What's the age range of this individual? Age range is 35 to 45. Okay. All right. So he wants to come in with his with his 401k, pull some money okay. out and start paying back, paying down that debt. Pay it off. He doesn't want it anymore. His thing was, I would rather be in retirement with no student loan debt than to go into retirement with student loan debt. So how about, how about going into retirement with no money? Exactly. <laughs> it, and, and that's, that's one of the problems with it. So what, so let me ask a little bit, little bit more. Cause uh-huh. you, know, you know, I hate, I, I hate over, you know, oversimplifying advice. Right? I think it's so, it's so nuanced. So this individual is, let's say they're under 45. 
Tax mm. rate, high tax rate, low tax rate? Um, high tax rate. So 25% effective tax right. rate? Correct. Okay. And and about how much debt were they paying off? 60000 60000 All right. So to pay off $60,000 of debt from your 401k at a 25%, I don't have a calculator. I'm, I'm going to make this up. Um, you basically, it's going to cost you 35% between taxes and penalties. So if you need 60000 uh, it's gonna be bad math. We just gotta take out like like ninety. Yeah, it, it's thirty five cents on a dollar that you're giving up. Did I do that math right? Yeah, mm. something like that. So something like that. Okay, right. so so you're talking about are you talking about using like retirement savings to pay off debt? Re- savings in 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 general. So what but happens if this, I got what if I, what if I go got ten thousand dollars in in the bank in a savings account, mm-hmm. but then I've got this like five thousand dollar credit card with twenty percent interest. Right. Are you telling me not to use my savings to pay off that debt? No, I'm not. Uh, and 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 that that all depends. Okay. You know, and I say it depends on because we need to look at where are you. What else do you have right now? I couldn't tell you that because I don't know what other assets you have. So if you take that five thousand out, and you're only left with with five thousand in your savings, what yeah. happens next month if you need it? Yeah, I would say having having some a little extra cash on the side, even if you have mm-hmm. debt will prevent you from going into further debt. Correct. And the the goal, obviously the goal is to get out of debt, okay? But the, the long-term goal is to develop habits of not going into more debt. So in the process of paying off debt, which is which is part of the goal, you know, you want to start building new habits of not going into more debt. So if you have cash on the side, you're starting to, to build this new habit, this new behavior of, mm-hmm man, I need a couple extra hundred bucks, but oh my gosh, I don't have any savings because I paid all my debt off. So then what are you going to go do? Go into more debt. Go into more debt. So I I do like the idea and and how much you should have in an emergency fund. That's really going to depend on a lot of different factors. So so paying off debt, I can see where using savings to pay off debt could be a bad thing, but I could also see where Mm -hmm. it's a wise thing if you're going to, if you've got money sitting idly doing nothing, and then a ten thousand dollar debt over here that's costing you fifteen percent a year. Right. You know, maybe maybe there's a um, a middle ground that we take, and then aggressively build back up that savings account. Mm-hmm. So okay, so don't pay off debt don't with pay savings. Off debt. So common mistake number one was living on borrowed money. Number two, paying off debt with savings. What mm-hmm. is numero tres? And and this is one that. Um, that excites you. We had a kind of long conversation Uh-oh. about this one. So <laughs> spending too much on your house. Oh, did we have a long conversation? We, we did. This? We we had a conversation about this. Um, you know, uh, this you has know, come up a couple times in the planning process and, and you and I shoot stuff around all the time. So we started talking about it. So do you remember on the Building Us podcast, before you were a co-host of the Stuff About Money podcast, you and I, you came on and co-hosted with Matt and I, mm-hmm. and we did a show called Our Biggest Financial Mistake. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes. Do you remember that? I do remember that. Do you remember that. what mine was? Do you, know, do you remember what mine was? I'm going to be real vulnerable with you people here. I'm about to tell you my one of my biggest financial no, mistakes I, in my life. I do not remember. You don't? It's, it's on the internet. You can go listen to it if you want. I'm going to go back and, and listen to it. All right. Here it is. Okay. Here it is. I think a lot of people make this mistake. Okay. They try to accumulate what their parents 
took 30 years to accumulate. They try to accumulate it in five years. So my biggest financial mistake was building my house too soon. Still real early in my career. And um, maybe like three, four years, four years or so into my into my career. And I built my house. Same house I'm in today. Now, it wasn't a terribly expensive house. But I look back and think, man, I had like a $400 mortgage, <laughs> right? If I would have waited a couple of years, it was a little uncomfortable. It was a small house. It was a, it was a true starter house. Mm-hmm. I could have saved up a lot more money um, and borrowed less or saved more or taken advantage of more compound interest. Um, but I look back and think, hmm, you know, I mean, I, obviously I don't beat myself up too much about that. That's a small mistake compared to some other things. I was in a an industry where I had some like, you know, increasing um, income or potential. So it was a little bit, I'm not going to say this, but it was, it was a, it was a calculated risk. It's a calculated risk. But anyway, um, which by the way, probably caused me to live off of more borrowed money a little bit longer than I needed to. So going in and purchasing, Mm -hmm. spending too, spending too much house could Mm -hmm. cause you to go in there and put yourself further and further in debt by using credit cards or is that what I'm hearing? Here's the thing. Here's the thing about buying too much house or spending too much on your house. Um, so first, what's an appropriate amount mm-hmm. to spend on your house? Let, let, let's address that. And I've heard right. a couple of different rules of thumb. Kind of one of the one of the prevailing rules of thumb is your housing spend should be no more than twenty eight percent of your pre tax monthly income. General rule of thumb. Mm-hmm. A lot of problems with that. I say a lot of problems. There's a lot of what about, what about, what about with that? Okay. What about taxes? What about insurance? If you live in coastal America, uh, i.e., or especially New Orleans, or shoot, pick, pick your coastal city, insurance is freaking expensive. So you might be able to afford some on the, the principal and interest, but then you have to factor in the fact that taxes and insurance is going to be another, it's going to basically be your principal and interest payment twice over. Now, what the banks tell you and for all my mortgage friends listening, you know, don't don't take any offense to this. Your mortgage broker is always going to tell you you can afford more house than you can. The the <laughs> right? It's almost like me asking, me going to a mortgage broker saying, "Hey, how much house can I afford?" It's almost like asking a fox to count the chickens in a chicken coop. You, you, you follow? In our space, we call that conflicted. Now, it's not wrong. I mean, obviously, again, loan officers aren't out there to, to misguide or mislead. You know, I have mortgage brokers that I lean on regularly. But here's the point. What you can afford to pay today can change tomorrow. There's factors that could impact whether you can continue to pay that, i.e., look at everyone in New Orleans right now with the cost of insurance rising. People are having a legit hard time making their mortgage payments because insurance is so expensive. I don't know if you remember, this was back in before the crash of 08 when you know adjustable rate mortgages were really cool and, and people were getting approved for god-awful amounts of money that they had no business borrowing, but mortgage brokers were lending it to them. And then five years down the road... Those arms blew uh, up. Those loans blew up. They adjusted. The rates went up. And guess mm. who didn't make any more money? The people who borrowed. And a lot of people lost a lot of property. So 
yeah, buying too much house can be a problem. Here's um, something else that's really interesting. I just recently read Stop Acting Rich and Start Living Like a Millionaire. All right, Stop Acting Rich and Start Living Like a Millionaire. Dr. Thomas Stanley, you've probably heard me refer to The Millionaire Next Door, same guy who wrote that book. Uh, basically, he talks about how the the less affluent, the people who, who think they're rich, the less affluent, how they're they're falling into this like elite luxury brand lifestyle, right? They want to live like rich people, but yet they don't have the, they don't have, they're, 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 they're spending money on these luxury brands. And as a result, that's keeping them from building true wealth. That the real millionaires are not necessarily out there flaunting luxury brands. Some are, and that, there's nothing wrong with that. But the point is, stop acting rich, start building wealth, all right? In his book, what he looks at, he looks at a couple different um, consumer spaces of things that we spend money on. One is housing. This is actually really interesting. He says you should not be in your neighborhood, in your community you live, all right? You should be one of the higher income earners in your community. He goes, the problem is if you're one of the bottom income earners in your community, then you're going to see all the cool stuff, you know, the the domestic workers, the lawn people, the expensive cars. You're going to see all that stuff that your more that your neighbors who make more mm-hmm. money than you have that you don't have. And then you're going to fall into that keeping up with the Joneses trap. So you've right. got the house, yeah, you might be able to afford the note, but can you afford all the all the additional things that go along with mm-hmm. it? But that and that's a lot. It's a lot to keep that's up interesting. with. It is very so. Do you are you are you at the top? You know of wage earners in your neighborhood. I've been thinking about that, like looking around my neighborhood, like where do I fall? Obviously, you don't know what your neighbors make, right? Um, But you know, if all my neighbors are driving, you know, hundred thousand dollar cars, and I roll in with a, I actually really don't care what my neighbors drive. I'm not really influenced by that. But you, you get the point, right? I get the point, and and it's an interesting point. And what what book was that again, Eric? It's called Stop Acting Rich and Start Living Like a Millionaire. It's a great book. So def, definitely take a look at it. We've um, we've actually told a couple people to, to uh, go out there and purchase it and read it. So we get that question often. All right. So All right. What's, uh, where are we at now? What number are we on? We are on number four. Four. Five, four? So our fourth what's common four? financial mistake is not investing for 401k, in a 401k mm. or retirement. Mm-hmm. And this this has been a conversation that you and I have had. We've been going out and talking can we, to can participants. Can we rephrase that mistake? Can yes. We re- can yes. we rephrase that mistake? Not everyone has the ability to contribute to a 401k. So let's rephrase mm-hmm. it, not investing for retirement. How about that? Not investing for retirement. Can we do that one? We okay, can do that. Cool. Look, All we right. just I, I just restated it for you. So You're so, you're so flexible. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. He even losing this tie. Look at that. <laughs> So, for those of you not watching it, I, I'm 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 got a big smile on my face right now. Eric's been um, poking at me all day about the uh, you can the, loosen the coat it a little bit more, man. It's still kind of tight. <laughs> so see, I can see your neck rolls are starting to. You, I mean, kind of your neck rolls are kind of over your collar, man. Loosen a little bit more. Now, now you're talking about my neck rolls. Oh, <laughs> so our, our fourth our, our fourth common financial mistake not investing in retire, not not investing for for retirement so um this this is a big one um you, you know we let let's look at i'm 45 years old you know i've mm-hmm. i've got i said 45 i'm 47 
because I know somebody <laughs> out there is going to be talking about me. You don't know your own age. Um, <laughs> so I'm 47 years old. And let's say I hadn't started saving for retirement. Is it too late? Mm-hmm. You know, I get that. I get that question often. What's too late? You know, is it too late for me to start? And the answer is no. You know, better late than never. But if you don't mm-hmm. do it, then you're not going to have anything, any income coming in once you do get to that point. So let's say 67 years old, I want to retire. I got to have something. All right. Hold, hold up. Okay. But Xavier. Yes. I'm 25. I'm really not. We're role, we're role playing here. Okay. You know, when you grow up in when you grow up in the financial space, they teach you to role play. Okay, so we're role playing. Xavier, I'm 25. I got plenty of time to start saving for retirement. Compound interest. Uh, what about compound interest? Uh, what does that mean? Like, really? So my options are to invest in something that's 40 years away, or go like travel the world with my friends and go skiing and mm-hmm. do cool stuff and buy nice motorcycles and stuff like come on man so really budgeting you know and this is one thing that i tell my 25 year old my 30 year olds let's sit down and build a budget and from that budget do you have to put a lot away now i'm not telling you you can't go out and travel the world and do the things with your friends but let's start putting something away today because that compound interest what you put it you put a penny in today Mm-hmm. You earn interest tomorrow off of that penny. That following I day, save, I hope you save more than a penny. Uh, you want me to use a bigger number? <laughs> um, <laughs> I told so. So let's money. Money makes money, and the money right. that makes money makes more money. Compounding Correct. interest. The, earl, the earlier you start, the better off you are. Right. So I told. <laughs> I told someone once. <laughs> this wasn't a client. This wasn't a client. They were. Um, they were getting ready to retire and didn't have much in savings. And I said, I, I said, look, if I'm you, I'm getting on every financial advisor's mailing list. Okay. And every steak dinner they offer to buy you, every lunch they offer to buy you, I'm going. That's part of your, that's part of your income plan. You get some really nice meals for free. <laughs> so, just kind of looked at me and, and I mean, come on, it's brilliant. It, it is. All right. I'm going to so do let, that. So let, 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 let's get back to this. So even okay. at tw- even at twenty five year old, you can put a little away today, and begin saving, and get into the habit of putting it away on a monthly basis, into that retirement program, whatever it may be. And next year revisit yeah. it. Can you increase it? But the more you put away, the more that money you put away is going to make money for you. Mm-hmm. So here's here's what I would say. I've been reading a lot lately about this economic term. It's called consumption smoothing. Have you heard about that? Any of my economic nerds out there might. So the idea of consumption, and we do this, we do this to some extent all the time. The consumption smoothing, what it says is we're going to create a balance between um, spending and saving during different phases of our life. So let's say, for example, you're a commissioned salesperson. Okay, in one month you make six thousand, and in one month you might make four thousand. Well, you're going to make your budget off of five thousand, right? You're smoothing out your spending and your income so that you can maintain a similar lifestyle over over the year, okay? Now, if we think about this idea of consumption smoothing over our lifetime, my earlier example about buying too much house too early, well, okay, if I look back and say, you know, I say it was a mistake, but did it really set me back? Did it really, I was just smoothing my consumption over my lifetime. I had the potential to earn money. I didn't have it yet. 
I was going to eventually make it. I'm spending it before I had it. Yeah, not a great idea, but I basically was able to smooth out my spending and saving, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of economists, they'll actually say from a, from a pure financial standpoint, they'll they'll actually say, hey, this, this advice that you financial advisors give that I need to save 15 or 20% of my income, even when I'm 20, it's a bunch of crap. He goes, because of, of consumption smoothing. Because I might not save anything in my 20s because life's expensive. Because I want to go on ski trips and friends' weddings overseas. I want, I want to spend money on those experiences. I want, I want to build those relationships. And I'm going to make more money later on. When I'm 35, 40, 45, when I'm reaching my peak, in, in my peak income years, I can catch up. And there's a lot, there's actually a lot of truth to that. And when I look back over my financial life, I probably have done some of that to some extent. But here's what I would say. Even if you're not saving 20% towards your retirement or 15% for your retirement, saving is a habit. Investing is a habit. And what these same economists have found is those people who don't start saving early, even if it's a small amount, they're typically not going to start saving in their 40s and 50s because they never developed that habit. So I would say, yeah, that's cool. You're 20, 25 years old. You're making good money. You want those experiences. That's awesome. Go for it. But save something. Save something. Get the habit that it's like going to the gym. You know, If you stop going to the gym, it's really hard to start going again. If you get used to a certain lifestyle, it's really, really hard to come down from that lifestyle. So I would say that if you're younger or or life is gotten really expensive and I've told people, "Hey, let's stop saving for retirement right now because you have other things we need to address." It might at this point be smarter to address debt than it is to save for retirement. Mm-hmm. But let's keep taking advantage of your employer match. Right? right. Let's put away 3% at least because that's what you're getting matched. So, uh, the mistake is not saving at all for your retirement. And of course, as you get older, as you know, your your debt load goes down, as your financial obligations mm-hmm. go down, as your income increases, you should start um, increasing and accelerating right. Right. those savings. And and it, Eric, that's a again a great lead in to our next common financial mistake. So our not having one, a plan, you got to have a plan one, for right. your future income growth. Correct, absolutely, because that plan is how much do you save. Where do I mm-hmm. save? How do I pay off my debt? You know, mm-hmm. all of that comes with with planning. Yeah. So I love this point. And I'm gonna talk about something that I actually want to do an entire podcast episode on. So I'm I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna kind of um skip over some things. We're not not going as as deep here. When we think of a plan, oftentimes it becomes interchanged with goal, having a goal. And a plan, a plan and a goal are two very different things, okay? A goal is very binary. You meet it or you don't. I'm successful or I'm not. I want to lose 20 pounds. I either lose 20 pounds or I don't, okay? Goals should be part of our financial plan. The plan should be a direction, right? The goals are going to point us in a direction of where our plan is going. So if my, if my financial plan is the goal of getting out of debt. What happens when I get out of debt? Then what? So if my entire plan is built around just getting out of debt, I'm out of debt, then what do I do? Right? So, so financial planning 
to me is about course setting. It's about pointing you in a particular direction. Here's what I find too with plans. We tend to overestimate what we can do in in the short term, right? Have you ever created a short-term goal that's so aggressive, it's so high, and you're like, oh my God, why did I do that? It's really hard to meet. We overestimate what we can do in the short term, but we underestimate what we can do over a lifetime. Right. Okay? So the problem that we have is when we're setting these short-term goals, we tend to overestimate what we can do. So what the plan is, the plan is long-term, Okay, and we tend to underestimate what we can do over time. So that should point us in a particular direction. So think think of this idea of goals are very outcome based, right? Did I get out of debt? Did I not? Did I save for retirement? Did I not? Versus process based outcomes. Mm-hmm. Process based outcomes are I'm going to save a certain percentage of my income. I'm going to spend a certain set amount of money. That's a process. That makes sense versus versus an outcome. Right. So what happens is um, all too often we focus on what we want to achieve. And this is all tied to having a plan. We focus on what we want to achieve. I want to get out of debt. I want to save a million dollars versus focusing on what we want to become or where we want to be. Now that kind of like, what are you talking about, Eric? I, I, it sounds a little crazy. Think about this. I remember when I first started back to the gym about three and a half years ago consistently. And it was a bunch of middle-aged people at our gym. The gym owner called us all athletes. She called us all athletes. Okay? She goes, y'all are athletes. And look, we had people in there that were not athletes. Okay? But she called us athletes. Motivation. What do athletes... What? No, no, not motivation. What do athletes do? They work out. They're, they're playing they sports. They work out. They play, uh, they're, they're active. They're active. They're active. They they typically eat well. So she comes in there and she says, "Y'all are athletes." She gave us a new identity. Right? We're not middle aged people who are lazy, who just overeat and drink too much. No, no, we're athletes, and athletes work out. Athletes take care of their body. Athletes are active. Now, this sounds like this line sounds like like head voodoo. I get it, but it's very difficult for us to act in a way that's incongruent with how we see ourselves. If I see myself as an athlete, then I'm going to be more inclined to act like an athlete. If I see myself as someone who's bad with money and in debt and I'll never be able to get out of debt, more than likely, I'm going to act like that person. But if I see myself as someone who spends less than they make, someone who's developed good, healthy behaviors, someone who saves regularly, When I act in a way that's incongruent with that, that's inconsistent with that, I'm going to stop and say, wait a minute, that's not how a financially successful person acts. So what the plan does, the plan paints that picture of where we want to be and who we want to become. I am a saver. I am a creator. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm someone who makes good financial decisions. Now, you're going to have to unlearn behaviors, and that's okay. That's where accountability comes into play. But there is a lot of research that supports this idea that when we believe a certain aspect about our identity, our behaviors are more going to be in line with that identity. So goals are very binary. I'm going to get out of debt. 
I'm not thinking about myself any different, but I am, I am responsible with money. Then worry about the outcome of getting out of debt. That's what the plan is. So I don't know about right, our, off, I don't off my soap. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't know if our listeners got what I got out of that, but Eric, you just took us to school. What? Take you to school. Yeah. They don't <laughs> teach that in school. They should. They should. So let, let's recap. Um, what, what, what did you get out of that? At, out of the. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> break it down for us, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a break. Look, when putting my plan down, it's, it's not just about my goals. Um, my goals are going to help me to get to that end point. Um, and it, it's about consistency. You know, see, I don't getting, even think I don't get, even think there's I don't I don't think there's an endpoint with plans. There's no endpoint with plans. But it's it's the consistency in creating those goals that are going to help me to continue to grow. To keep I you mean, in if, that direction. If, if, keep me yeah. in that direction. It it is yep. the you know, uh, and I'm I'm trying to think of the words for it. Um, habit. It's all about habits. It's, it's it's ongoing. So like, if, here's the if thing: if I get plans. into the habit of doing something, then I'm going to continue to do it. You so know. think think about this. Think about this. If if I were to come in here and say, Xavier, you got you got um, five years to live, you're going to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Your health will be fine, but you got five years, and then that's it. That's all you got. What do you do? What do you do differently? I'm traveling. You don't have to answer. You don't have to I'm answer. I'm traveling. I'm traveling. But 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 what what that does is what that question does. It, it gets us thinking outside of how we normally think into some mm-hmm. areas that I would never do that. Oh, unless I'm told I only mm-hmm. have five years to live. To me, that's the plan. Right. That's what that's what we're that's what we're moving towards. Mm-hmm. It's man. I want to be super charitable, and I want to start a foundation, and I want to serve. You know, uh, young kids with a particular type of cancer. Or I want to serve. Um, this particular community of people. And the only way I can do that, it might take me 20, 30 years to get there. To me, that's exciting. It's what drives you, what motivates you. That's right. the plan. And so Eric. You're getting out of debt, saving for retirement. Those are those are those are just mileposts along the way. And so I'm gonna challenge our listeners. When you after you listen to this, sit down and challenge yourself. What motivates you? Think about that. What motivates you? What direction do you want to go in? And give that some thought. So that that's my challenge to you guys today. All right. So that was our five common mistakes. That was our five. Six, our six minus one. Six minus one. So Equals five. <laughs> yep. Living well, this, on borrowed that was money. The, <clears throat> our first square common, root of 20. That was, uh, we're going to name this the square root of five common mistakes that people make. Square root of five. Account. Is that right? Did I do that right math? My wife would be totally upset. She's a my wife's a math person. Yeah, I was gonna say Grace. She'd, she'd be upset if Grace hears this one. She's gonna get on me because we we talk about math often. So awesome. sorry. So I'm sorry. All recap. Right. Give us okay. a recap. So All right. Here's our down. recap. Our first common um, financial mistake is going to be living on borrowed money. Our second common financial mistake is going to be spending too much on your home. Don't do it. Our third until you, until you can. Until you can. Our third is paying off debt with our savings. Mm, think twice about that. Fourth <laughs> is going to be not investing in retirement, in your retirement. Mm, work that muscle, people. Come on. Build that habit. And our fifth common financial mistake is going to be not Number having five. a plan. 
not having a plan, no direction. Six minus one, not having a plan. That's it. That's it. All right, y'all. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate your time. I hope this is helping you build financial security. Appreciate you guys. If there's something, if there's a topic that you guys would love us to hear talk about, Mm -hmm. shoot us an email. Mm -hmm. Let us know. Information presented and discussed on the Stuff About Money podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute direct financial advice. Consult with a qualified financial advisor prior to implementing any strategies discussed. Eric Garcia and Xavier Angel's branch office is located in New Orleans, Louisiana. The branch phone number is 504-218-5479. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor not affiliated with Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated. 